0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, today we are continuing with our series in Isaiah 61, Beauty for Ashes, the words of the prophet Isaiah that came to some of God's people many, many centuries ago. I'm going to encourage us. Let's turn to them right away and get straight on and read these words. This is Isaiah 61, 1-3. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners or the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair." If you want a title for today, it is this Freedom for the Captives. I know this may seem a little ironic on the week that supposed Freedom Day has been postponed, but here we are in the Word of God with a declaration of freedom for the captives. And today we're focusing in on Isaiah 61, verses 2 and 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Freedom for the captives. You know, in my lifetime, I've been relatively fortunate. I've not really been physically captive. Now, there was a brief incident as a child whilst visiting a walled city in France once, I think probably Carcassonne, when upon seeing a small gap in the wall with some vertical metal bars down it, I think they were probably put there with safety in mind to stop a small child falling through it, as an 11-year-old, I saw the bars and for some unknown reason, saw them as something of a challenge, a question, a curiosity rose in me as to whether my head could fit through the gap. Indeed, my head could fit through the gap, but only just. So I managed to get my head through the gap, through the bars. And having got it through the gap, realized that it was such a snug fit that I couldn't get it back out of the gap again. There I was, captive, trapped, stuck by my own stupidity in a French city wall. Unable to move, unable to get out, I only had myself to blame. It's almost worse, isn't it, when something bad happens and there's no one to blame either, when it's your own fault. But, you know, my dad is a no-nonsense sort of a guy, not afraid to use a bit of brute force. And my mom was a PE teacher, so she wasn't afraid to inflict pain either. But, uh, so there was some pushing and some pulling that ensued. And after about 20 minutes, I think I was finally extracted by my parents, mercifully, without the need for firemen or paramedics, and just with a little reddening of the ears. And of course, a lesson was learned. It's a limited, a daft example of being captive, but it's the best that I've got. But that isn't to say that I've lived life fully and freely, because of course, the only captivity isn't physical. There have been situations, there have been people, there have been relationships and particular dynamics, there's been thought patterns and habits, fears and doubts which have impaired my freedom, limited my freedom. Now, of course, sometimes, and this would certainly be true in my life, there can be seasons where God allows us to have a season of limitation where we might feel captive. Because in that place, He's working something in us, and it requires the limitation of the season. Like Joseph of Old, who had 13 years in prison before stepping into that position of second in command to Pharaoh. God works in us sometimes in a season of limitation, but it's only a season. And God's desire for us and for his children is that we would walk in freedom. Now, of course, for all of us this year, our freedom has been curtailed due to COVID, due to lockdown and restrictions and guidelines. We've all been in some way captive. Perhaps even this last week, you were hoping for a full easing of restrictions, but again, it was denied. And yet the word comes to us this morning through Isaiah declaring freedom for the captives, a freedom that does not require the permission of politicians or advisors or scientists, a freedom actually way more fundamental than those wise people even comprehend. So boys and girls, if you're at home, why not see if you could draw us a picture of Jesus with somebody in some way stuck, you can imagine how they're stuck, but Jesus helping to get them out. You know, for us to understand and really allow these words that were spoken by Isaiah to speak to us today, words that were spoken by someone else to someone else in a different time and culture, it will help us to understand what the words meant to those people who first received them, those listeners to Isaiah. And for that, we have to understand something of the story of captivity of those people. And this is going to take us, in fact, these verses really take us right back into some of the New Testament story of God and His people, and looking also forward into the New Testament story of what God did. You see, God had chosen for Himself, as many of us will know, a man, Abraham, through whom He was going to make a people for Himself, and He grew them into a great nation, Israel. And He'd taken them and given them a land for their own in which they had flourished, they had grown, they'd known peace, they'd known prosperity there, and they had also been given a framework within which God had asked them to live. Rules, if you like, directions for how life should look. There were some boundaries to the covenant that God had made with them. But God's chosen people refused to live by God's framework. And instead, they pursued other gods and lived as they pleased. Now, God sent prophets like Isaiah who could hear what God was saying, and he sent them to warn the people that they needed to sort out their lives, to turn their ways around, to return to God's framework, or there would be consequences. But unfortunately, successive generations refused to listen to the prophets, and eventually, God's people were exiled. Jerusalem was destroyed. Many people were killed. Most were exiled, carried off by the Babylonians to a foreign country where they faced slavery. Captivity, forced labor. I don't know if we can imagine what it would have been like for those people. The terrible sadness, the sorrow, the grief and the mourning. Some loved ones lost, some left behind, not knowing if they'd ever see them again. There was hardship, there was suffering. These are people who'd been God's chosen people. It was their very identity, but now they faced his judgment. Perhaps they wondered if they'd ever return to their homeland again. Probably they thought they would never again be favored by God. Perhaps they thought they were God forsaken. What a terrible place to find themselves in. Their identity lost and hope with it. But it's into this setting of judgment, of devastation, of captivity, that's where Isaiah's words came. To say, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. What powerful words into that setting. Now part of the framework, and just come with me here for a moment, that God had given to his people was a system of Sabbath days once a week, Sabbath years once every seven years so the land could rest, and then every 50th year would be a year of jubilee, a jubilee year, a year, if you like, of favor. On a jubilee year, there was to be a restoring of everything that had been lost, a returning of property to those to whom it had originally been given, a setting free of anybody who might have become a slave because they'd run out of money or got into debt and couldn't pay and had therefore become enslaved. There was to be a writing off of debt this is what the year of Jubilee and the year of favor that was part of God's framework was meant to look like. Now, there's some uncertainty, but it's quite possible that God's people never actually kept this framework. Sabbath days, Sabbath years, and it seems Jubilee were neglected, never actually celebrated, amongst all the other directives that God had given to his people, and many of which were ignored. But God then was true to his word, as he'd said to them in Deuteronomy 28, that if they didn't keep to the framework that he'd set, then they would be driven from the land they'd been given to an unknown nation. So it was to this captive people, Isaiah's words came to proclaim this freedom. And in the framework that God had given to his people, this year of Jubilee, the year of freedom and restoration and favor, which was part of God's design, and you can read more about that in Leviticus 25 if you want to, it was to begin with the sounding of the trumpet. What a way to start a year to declare something. There was a time of freedom and release coming, and it would be declared by the sounding of a trumpet, a sound that proclaimed freedom and release. You see, it was always God's design that for those in poverty, for those in need, for those enslaved or captive, that they would not remain in that place, but the sound of freedom would come. I don't know if you can imagine what the sound of the trumpet would have been like if you were captive, if you were indebted, if you were enslaved. And although his people had not embraced his framework, even though they'd been judged and taken into captivity, even though they'd been removed from the place of God's favor, yet these words came to them proclaiming, through Isaiah, freedom. A proclamation, words and a sound that would have been to them like the sounding of the trumpet. Knowing they did not deserve it, knowing it was the very framework they had ignored and put to one side, but God came to put it into play for them proclaiming words through Isaiah, a proclamation that was a sound like the sound of the Jubilee trumpet, proclaiming that debts were paid and forgiven, that land and belongings were to be returned to their original owners, that slaves would be given their freedom, that captives would be set free. This was a proclamation that confirmed the restoring of the Lord's favor upon them. They were not a forsaken people. A proclamation that proclaimed not just their release, but their restoration. Beauty for ashes as well as freedom for captives. Now, if you know the accounts of God's people, then you'll know that the God sent them a deliverer in a king called Cyrus. After 70 years of captivity, he decided that the temple in Jerusalem far off should be rebuilt. And he declared that any one of God's people could go and return to Jerusalem to build the temple if they wanted to. They were, in effect, free to go, there was freedom for the captives, partial fulfillment of the words of Isaiah. But for the complete fulfillment of these words, as is often the case with prophecy, for the complete fulfillment, we have to look to Jesus. And if we turn to Jesus now and we'll weigh that he spoke these words in the synagogue in Nazareth, Luke 4, verse 18 to 19, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the lord's favor and of course he handed back the scroll and then he went on to say today these words are fulfilled in your hearing you know the wording is slightly different from the old testament to the new testament because in the old it comes to us directly from hebrew into english but in the new It comes from Hebrew into New Testament Greek and then into English, which is why it's sometimes rendered a little bit differently. And the astute among you will notice that Jesus missed out one of Isaiah's key statements. He didn't say, the day of vengeance of our God. And I think this is by design. See, Jesus' listeners, they were not captive in the same way as Isaiah's listeners had been. They were living in the land of Israel not entirely free, Israel at that point occupied by the Romans. But it became clear through Jesus' ministry that dealing with the oppression of the Romans was not what Jesus came to do. He was coming to deliver from a different enemy, a different oppressor. Jesus was coming to deliver from one whose power lay in sin, whose power lay in fear, in spiritual oppression, in lies, in dead religion, in legalism, in hypocrisy, in the fear of death, these were some of the hallmarks of Satan's captivity that Jesus came to deliver from. He came as the deliverer. He came to bring freedom for the captives in a different time, but for all time. He came to deliver his listeners and us from sin, from its power in our lives that can so captivate us and destroy us. He came to deliver us from spiritual oppression, from lies that would lead us astray and mess up our thinking, from the fear of death that would enslave us and terrify us. And he came to deliver his listeners then and us now from death by defeating it and by dying and being raised to life again. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 puts it like this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know, in the last 16 months, there's been a lot of fear. I'm pretty much sure all of us will have felt some more fear in the last 16 months at some point. Partly our government has not been afraid to use fear to help to get people to do what they wanted them and perhaps needed them to do. But there's been a lot of fear of death. I wonder how many decisions have been made in the last 12 months because of a fear of death. And of course, it's right that we should protect life, but that's a very different thing to fearing death because Jesus came to set us free from the fear of death. You know, death, if we are in Christ, can only ever deliver us closer into Christ. He overcame death itself. Jesus, our deliverer. Paul writes in Colossians 2:14 and 15, he says this, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is what our deliverer Jesus did when he came to bring freedom for the captives. Our debts were paid. Our deserved condemnation was undone. The accusations against us were nailed to his cross. The enemies of God in that moment, they were defeated. They were disarmed. They were disempowered, and they were disgraced. Freedom was provided and paid for in full for the captives. God might, you say, have got his arm back. This was the day of vengeance of our God. There on the cross, poured out on and borne by, The son of God himself. You see, I think Jesus stopped short of reading that verse because when he read aloud at the start of his ministry in the synagogue in Nazareth, he could say of all those other verses, today, these are fulfilled in your hearing. But the day of vengeance, that was another day yet to come. That was another day that he knew would come, but they were not there yet. So what does this word say to us here this morning. 2021, June, so-called Freedom Day postponed. Well, friends, this word proclaims to us again today that there is a deliverer. This word comes today as a trumpet sound, a proclamation to any and to all of us that there is freedom for the captives. There is release for the prisoners. There is favor in God again, even though we may not deserve it. There is a cross that stands tall in history to testify that there has been a day of vengeance of our God against his enemies, and that our freedom has been paid for in full. And friends, the devil is a liar, and he will try to tell us that we are bound. He will come and try to bind us again, and limit us, and push us back. But there is freedom for the captives. And these words come today to proclaim it to us afresh, to sound the trumpet of jubilee afresh. You know, the year of the Lord's favor is not just a calendar year. Favor began when Jesus entered the world. Even the angels sang it to the shepherds on whom his favor rests. The year of the Lord's favor, it's a season of time for mankind ever since the work of Christ. A perfect life and his work on the cross that brought this great deliverance for us. He opened up a season of favour. It's why Paul wrote to Corinthians 2, Corinthians 6, 2, and says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. This word comes today to proclaim to us, to proclaim to you. There is freedom for the captives. There is freedom for you. It comes to proclaim that now is the time of God's favor. We can come to him with an expectation. These words come to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God, that there has been sufficient provision, a deliverer, Jesus, for our freedom. So that every single one of us, however we might find ourselves today, that we might come in whatever state of bondage, captivity, whatever limitation we might be facing, that today we might come again and be able to exchange our captivity, exchange our limitation, exchange our habitual sin, our fear, the lies in our thinking that seem so entrenched, our fear of death, that we can bring it to Him. We can find beauty for our ashes, freedom from our captivity. Friends, there is freedom for the captives. We all need a deliverer. We have always, always, all of us needed a deliverer. But also I suspect that many of us in the last 16 months have embraced new fears, new limitations, faced some new expression of captivity that is beyond the physical limits of lockdown. I'm sure in, for some in these extraordinary times, some of us will have embraced new patterns and habits which we find now seem to hold us or keep us captive. Few of us, unless we've come to Christ in the last few months, are likely to be living more fully and freely than we were in March 2020. And so are I suggest that we all need to hear this proclamation again to let the Jubilee trumpet sound over our lives, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So friends, how can we practically respond to these words? How can we engage with them? And don't worry, this is not like the beginning of the sermon and that was just an introduction. These are three brief points. First up, Christ's freedom invites us to step out into a spacious place. You know, we rarely fall into freedom. We have to be intentional about stepping out out of the place of limitation that we find ourselves in. Entering freedom is pretty much always active. It requires our full participation. We may need to engage with the internal limitations that are formed as a result of external restrictions. We may need to attend to dismantling some internal boundaries, habits, thoughts, and changes that have become established in us, maybe over a long time or maybe more recently. How we do that, you know, that's a whole other message for another day, but we can all make a start. We may need to confess. We may need to repent. These are powerful tools for delivering us into freedom. We may need to ask for help. We may need to just take a little step, a small attainable step towards the freedom we know has been made available for us as we grow in our own faith and confidence. But Christ's freedom invites us to step out into a spacious place. Secondly, Christ's freedom invites us to remember and to rejoice. Friends, amidst all the challenges that we might be facing as we take stock and just try and regroup after the last 16 months, as we consider how to invest in our well being and make sure we're in decent shape again, you know, gratitude is such a powerful tool for life and well being. When we remember, And when we rejoice, it changes our perspective. And given that we have been provided with such, such a great deliverance, given that we have each been rescued from such a calamitous and eternal captivity, there is so much room for us to remember what Christ has done for us, where He has brought us from, how undeserving we were, and how gloriously and graciously we have been treated. We're captives, we've been set free and shown favor. We've been given beauty for our ashes. We've been given freedom from our captivity. So Christ's freedom invites us to remember and to rejoice. And thirdly, today, and finally, Christ's freedom invites us to proclaim so that others can hear. there is power in proclaiming Christ's freedom. There is power when we speak out what He has done for us, what He has delivered us from. You know, it doesn't need special words to proclaim it. It doesn't need a preacher to proclaim Christ's freedom. In fact, sometimes the very remembering and rejoicing shared with someone who doesn't know it is the best proclamation. But let's not keep this freedom to ourselves when there are so many others who also need to hear the sound of that trumpet. So let us make the sound, the proclamation that there is freedom, that there has been a day of vengeance on the cross and we are now free to enter in. Christ's freedom invites us to proclaim so that others can hear. As in all of the messages in this beauty for ashes season, of course, there's some process how we respond to how we engage with this some of us may be needing to take some small steps to walk in the fullness of what jesus has offered for us and perhaps for all of us there's a lifelong journey of living truly free in what christ has bought for us but there is also friends a place of exchange and i want to invite you this morning whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us through youtube i invite you today to open your heart to the holy spirit to work in you and minister freedom in you today. I believe that the Lord is gonna move powerfully to break off limitations from us, to break off chains of all kinds that have been holding people, some for a long time, some maybe not for a long time. But I believe there's an anointing today for freedom. So right now, I invite you to stand, to respond, whether you're at home, whether you're here in the room, to stand and begin to invite Holy Spirit into your heart into your life, in the places where you know you need freedom or you need a greater level of freedom. You know where it is, or maybe you don't know where it is. You say, Holy Spirit, come and show me if there's any area where I am not free, any area I am still limited or held back. Open your hearts to Him. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this moment now, for these are your words, and this is your work, Holy Spirit. invite you, Holy Spirit of the living God, to come and minister into every heart, into every life, every circumstance. Spirit of the sovereign Lord, we invite you to do your work of freeing captives. Bring the power of the cross to bear in these moments. Come and say, King Jesus, today we proclaim your words again that say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance, the day of vengeance of our God. Today, again, we sound the trumpet of Jubilee Today, we proclaim freedom. Today, we proclaim the sufficient and the finished work of the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse, to liberate, to break off every chain, to bring down every stronghold, to remove every limitation, and to restore. We proclaim freedom. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister this to your people here in the room to minister to those joining us, those in their homes, break off every chain of limitation. Would you empower and embolden us as your people to walk in all you've opened up for us, and help us also to lead others into this freedom and proclaim it, that there would be a sound, a sound over our lives, a sound that comes from our lives, a sound that resonates in the heavenlies, that is the sound of the trumpet of Jubilee, the sound of the Lord's favor, the sound of freedom, the sound of liberty. And we declare it from this place today, over every heart, over every life, into every home, every family, over our city, and even over our nation, we declare, we proclaim, Freedom for the captives. We lift up the sound of the Jubilee trumpet that it would be heard, that it would be sounded, that it would proclaim. Chains would break off, limitations would be no more, and there would be freedom in Christ, fully lived. And so now, Lord, fill our hearts and help us walk into freedom, we pray, in Jesus' mighty, powerful name.